I'm Aaron Barnard. And I'm Matt Edwards. What's, What's happening, happening North, North Idaho? Idaho? Welcome, everybody, back to the show. Uh, at the top, as always, is our small business shout-out. This episode, we're shouting out to the Patriot Hangout. Oh, which yeah. Is a, uh, which is a basically a store in Coeur d'Alene where you go to buy American flags, Trump flags, Jesus flags. Um, and if you don't want flags, there's shirts and stickers and all sorts of really cool things, right? Survival items, right? They also have the um, the hitch, the flag post hitches, so that you can attach a flagpole to oh, the hitch. Thankfully, I know I kind of want to get one. Yeah, <laughs> so you can put because the yeah the, the 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 flag yeah waving on the back of the truck is a huge thing. It's very patriotic, and it's also something that Dan English hates with a passion. With a passion. Yep. So if you want to upset Dan English. Attach a, a flag to your truck using a flagpole that you bought at Patriot Hangout. Perfect. Where is Patriot Hangout located? Patriot Hangout is in a new location. It's across from Costco in the little strip mall off of Meter. Uh-huh. Um, right next to the Little Caesars Pizza. Okay. I feel like we all know where the Little Caesars is in town across from Costco. Right. So go over there. That's where you find his shop. And it's very patriotic in there. It's pretty awesome. PatriotHangout.org. If you go there, you'll also discover some other cool ways to connect with Patriots at PatriotHangout.org. All right, Aaron, what is on the rundown today? It's a cool show we got. We have a lot going on. So I want to talk about this last weekend's Reawaken America tour because I was so inspired and motivated with the amount of God-loving patriots that came to that event and spoke at the event. And then we have a special treat. Speaking of God-loving and patriot, um, we have one of our gubernatorial candidates coming on. We have Ammon Bundy. Wow. Um, and he's going to ask, I hope, or I'm going to ask, we are going to ask some really hard questions that the community is really wanting to know. Um, so I'm hoping that he gives us the time of day <laughs> and answers some questions because I know they're a little bit harder than, um, than the usual softball questions. So I'm really looking forward to that interview and uh, see what he has to say. All right, Aaron, first up, we have to talk about the rally that happened at State Line here. Yes, it was amazing. Yeah. All right, so what was it? Where, where were you at? Because you were on one side of the fence. I was on the other side of the fence. Yeah, so it was the Reawaken America Tour. Um, this was Clay Clark's baby. He's the one that has been organizing this thing for over a year now, or a year? Is, I don't know. Yeah. It's been going on for a year, at yeah. least. And so it was a massive group of big names or bigger names than us um, people who came in to really talk about um, how they got started in the fight. And when I say fight, I'm talking about, for the most part, what's been going on the last couple of years, a fight for freedom and liberty. Yeah. Um, with respect to the pandemic. With largely, respect. Right? And for the most part. Yeah. yeah. There are some people that have been fighting longer. Sure. But for the most part, it's uh, fighting the establishment government, fighting the World Economic Forum and the globalism, and fighting since the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And from a, from a Christian perspective. Oh, absolutely. God was <laughs> laced throughout everything. Yeah. Everything leads back to God. And so and that was front and center 
this weekend at the event. It was it was a beautiful awakening event. And it's really to help push normies like you and I um, push through the, the, the droll of this time and really get through the midterms and really continue the fight for liberty like we've been doing for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I've seen many videos over the over the past, yeah, probably year, year and a half that he's been doing this tour. And you're talking about people on stage like General Flynn, Mike Lindell, uh, Patrick Byrne, um, doctors like Dr. Emanuel, Dr. Zelenko. I mean, folks that really were- Before he passed. Before, yeah, Zelenko passed, yeah. Uh, But before, before, um, even before the the stolen election of 2020, it was, it was, what are we doing with this pandemic and this COVID and the shots and, 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 and the, yeah, the World Economic Forum yeah. and all this stuff. And it really it really set the tone that this is a war between these Christ, Christianity and, you know, atheists to Satanists. You know, I mean, that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> felt like then, that was kind of like the, the, the two opposing forces that were, it that, that really were that's is. clashing right now. And that was one of the themes over the weekend was this is a spiritual battle. It's bigger than you and I. However, we are here to do our parts. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a huge theme throughout. There were a lot of pastors from all different walks of life. There was even a Catholic priest. Yeah, I was sitting. So, so I, so you were in the publicity tent. Yes. With Josh. Yep. uh, With what's happened in Idaho, doing interviews, which we'll get to uh, those in a second. But um, I was on the participant side watching, and I was sitting there one, and this, this. this, this is the right term, but I'm going to use this gaggle of nuns <laughs> came in in their full, uh, full garb. habits and yep. all that stuff. And, uh, and, and there was a couple of priests in tow. There was one that looked like the main priest, the main <laughs> father. And then there was a bunch of nuns and sisters. And then there was a bunch of like handlers or whatever. And they just like walked through and they were headed somewhere. And I thought, man, there really is in a complete, you know, um, uh, array of faith. Here, you know, yeah. people walking around. There were yarmulkes, so there were Jewish people there too. Like there was, like it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, so it really brought a lot of people together for one purpose, which is, which was like we're awake. These are people that are awake, yeah, and not buying the mainstream narrative. Um, you're, and again, you're not going to agree with everything that was said up on stage, but um, but it's clear, it's clear that there were there was we were among a, a group of people. That and this was I heard the second largest audience for this really? tour. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I saw I no General idea. Flynn say that somewhere. He wow. said that this was the second largest audience for this tour that they've had. And they could have packed that place out. It was nowhere near packed to the brim. Yeah, well, I mean we, we were outdoors at the uh, raceway, right? Yeah. The the speedway, the, mm-hmm. the state line speedway. So yeah, there was <laughs> there was a lot of room to like just push out and just yep. have more people come. <laughs> um but what I was gonna say is like you know, you saw the the news report, which I want to I want to hear mm-hmm. what the, you know what the news said. Um, uh, you know, a bunch of extremists and Christian nationalists and all this stuff, all this jazz out there, and it just was just like, man, you know, they just keep going on with this narrative, and and all you saw was just regular folks praising God, thankful to be alive, thankful to to have the awareness of of what's going on in the world, and uh, and push through. Yeah, the. Um I think it was KXLY news article, made me really sad because, one, they were standing outside the gate. Um, They didn't come in, even though General Friend is like, bring them in. You know, they can be a part of it, too. But it was a female Episcopal priest who said that it was full of hate 
and they were extremists and they hate the LGBTQ community and really distorting the Bible. And it makes me sad for a couple of different reasons. One, we don't hate people. We hate the actions, right? The sin that is in them, right. which is what the Bible says. Two, it was an Episcopal priest that was on there. And I grew up Episcopal all through my, you know, primary, secondary schools. Um, and I didn't know any better. And it wasn't until I met my husband that I really understood the Bible or started to understand. I'm still a baby when it comes to the Bible. But my first Bible wasn't given to me until after I graduated high school. Wow. And it just makes me sad to know that there is a whole group of people that think that because we we try to walk with the Bible, um, that it makes us extremists. And really, we are Christian nationalists. If you define those terms, we are Christian and we love America. And we want to fight for America. So, yeah, that makes us Christian nationalists. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> and if the opposite of a Christian nationalist is an atheist globalist, I feel like that kind of describes what the World Economic Forum yeah. is. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> like they're atheist, <laughs> um, atheist globalists, you yeah. know. Uh, what is this guy? This He's my, like my favorite Bond villain. He's with the World Economic Forum. He's like the number two guy, Yuri something or other. I've never seen a Bond film. What? <laughs> Okay, wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I saw one. I saw Casino Royale. <sighs> I'm fired, apparently. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thanks okay. for joining us, everybody, <laughs> on our final episode of What's Happened in North Idaho. <laughs> okay, I've got I, um, some watching to do, apparently. I've got a lot of watching to do. I'm so embarrassed. Oh, I'm red. I'm warm. <laughs> yeah. I love movies, too. I don't know why I haven't watched them. Oh. Oh my gosh! So I'm sorry. Totally distracted. So right sorry. Now. That's okay. We'll have to we'll have to do a a show a, where I have oh, to review special, the movies. Oh yeah, a special yeah. show. You watch a film and then yeah. we'll spend a few and minutes we'll going review. over it. That's mm -hmm. really great. Anywho, anyway, um, oh my well, let's wrap up. Let, let's wrap up this rally. Who did who did you get the opportunity to interview and hang out with in the in the PR tent? Man, so. Okay, so props to Kirsten Lucas, who is Josh Gibbons' co-host down in Boise for the flagship What's Happening Idaho, because Kirsten couldn't be here this weekend. And so Josh asked me to co-host with him, so I got this amazing opportunity to go sit with him while we interview people. And it was amazing. So the media tent was behind the stage, so we couldn't hear what the speakers were saying. We just knew who was there and who would come into the media tent. So we got to interview everyone from, you know, normal everyday people that just got swept up in whatever cause they took up, mm. um, up to General Flynn himself. So we got to interview General Flynn. There is a little bit of the video out there already um, on our social media, so you can go check that out. But and uh, I shook Eric Trump's hand. It was <laughs> great. Cool. It's very soft, but he's a real estate guy, so I won't. I won't judge him too harshly. Oh actually, man, for the that. guy's been cutting money his whole life. Come <laughs> exactly. on, man. Yeah, it's a soft, business. soft hands. Yeah, soft hands. Yeah. <laughs> but we also had a press conference with Eric Trump, Mike Lindell, and General Flynn, um, as well as Thomas Renz, who's attorney Thomas Renz, who actually dropped some very fascinating information about evidence about the COVID virus coming from the lab mm, and it being right. covered up by three-letter agencies and. Mr. Fauci himself. Oh yeah, but, I mean we, we, and we don't necessarily talk the big picture items on this on this program. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we stick to the Idaho business. But 
it is unreal the amount of data and the amount of stuff that's you know been slowly coming to light um suspicions about like i, I mean it was 2020 when they said oh it could have been it, we think this was leaked from a lab and yeah. it's like no it was from a bat soup and some wet mark or something <laughs> you're like oh, oh okay but they know oh yeah and we know oh yeah we know come on so we got that my favorite interviews though were the normal everyday people yeah that really just started doing something in their own town and then it kind of exploded after that that's the inspirational aspect of all this you have to get involved well and even general flynn said you have to get involved at the state and local level that's the only way we are going to take back our country is you getting involved at the local level so really it warmed my heart because that's what we've been doing here in um, north idaho and all throughout the state so it was just nice to get someone of that caliber basically saying the exact same thing we've been saying Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so and we've been doing too yes absolutely and i'm going to make a call right now vote you oh. have to vote. Register to vote. Show up to vote. Find your polling place. Go vote. If you are, I'm going to shame some people right now. <laughs> Do it. If you are out there thinking the election was stolen or I was in the military in 2012 and I sent in my ballot and I got thrown away, why should I vote? It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. You know, you're, you're, I'm sorry. It does matter. What you're basically saying is, hey, enemy, hey, thief, um, you don't need to bother with me anymore because I don't have anything to give. I don't have a vote anymore. So you don't have, you can just go on and steal it from the next person and not worry about me. Every vote counts. Every single person that shows up on election day, vote in person, vote on election day, overwhelm the system. The way, the way the cheating is done is by people not showing up to vote and people voting in your name. You need to go vote. That's it. Even if, yeah, you not voting is giving them another chance to cheat in your name. Mm -hmm. So taking your good name and dragging it through the mud. Yeah, voting is not, it's still a sophisticated business. Voting is not just like, here's a bunch of raffle tickets and everybody gets one and then you throw it in the box. And then someone behind the curtain has a roll of the same raffle tickets and just stuffs the whole roll in there you know, with, with their preferred candidate on it. It's not as basic as that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's th- th- things are involved, registered, the things, people that are registered, only people registered can vote and those votes have to count. So it's a very convoluted system, I admit, and it should oh, yeah. be more, much more simple than it is, <laughs> but it requires bodies. Well, and we Warm can't continue dead. the fight <laughs> if you don't vote. We have to right. continue voting so that we can continue the fight. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and please take 10 people with you. Take 10 people with you to the polls. Yeah. Take your neighborhood. Take the little lady down the street that can't drive anymore. Take her with you and help them get to the polls so that they can vote. That's yeah. the only way we're going to change anything. Yeah. And it has to be done at a grassroots level because, yep. um, you know, I've been trying to think of ways of how to create events centered around voting. Like, go, go vote and then do this. Vote and do this. But but there's a lot of le- legal things that you, you can't are not allowed to do, which right. is like pay people to go vote or give them <laughs> something to vote or throw a party. You know, just anytime you spend money backing people to go vote, it's uh, it's it's influence it's influential and um, and so there's laws in place in that so it really has to be a grassroots level you can't count on a big organization you can't count on other things to 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 get people to the polls you can say vote go vote go vote go vote but you can't physically 
bribe people. It's <laughs> too bad we follow the laws. I know. It'd well, be so much but, easier. But if the we left did it. doesn't, and that's so they've been doing it forever. Yeah. You know, they've been doing it forever, and that's how they've been winning. So I'm not saying we need to go break the law no. to do that. We no, just no. need to. We just really need to do um, grassroots yeah. organization and vote. And that also means we all we all need to vote conservative too. I mean, we're all here in North Idaho and Idaho for yes. a reason. Even leftists have yep. to vote conservative. If the leftists <laughs> like living in Idaho because it's Idaho, then they need to vote conservative. Exactly. And I saw the Kootenai <laughs> County Republican Central Committee just put out their suggested voter list or suggested candidate oh, list yeah, right. just a few days ago. So I'm going to take that. They don't have the executive leadership for Idaho or any of the federal mm. um, seats. So I need to figure that stuff out on my own. But for the local stuff where it's very, very important, they do have recommended candidates that were vetted multiple times that are considered the most conservative out of anyone running. So Great. I'm going to take that myself. I recommend everyone check that out and do your own research to figure out who the best candidate is for each position. Okay, great. Well, let's get into this next fun segment. Speaking of voting, yeah, right. We actually are bringing in Amon Bundy. Amon Bundy. I say it both ways. I don't. Oh yeah, Amon or Amon. Yeah, I, I say both. People say Amon Bundy. I'm sure he's heard every type of way spelled out yeah. lately, so yeah. I'm sure it doesn't bother him. But we're gonna bring him on and ask him some questions from the community, some community sourced questions yeah. that people have a burning desire to know and are very passionate about. So I'm really looking forward and hope he, you know, he answers our questions. They're kind of, they're, some of them are tough. So yeah, I'm hoping that we get some good answers out of him. All right, let's do it. Eamon Bundy is running for governor and he's been traveling all over the state in this like really tricked out RV, you know, with his like yeah, you can definitely see him coming down the road. Yeah, it's pretty it's cool. It's pretty and cool. I went to the Hayden Days uh, parade, <laughs> mm -hmm. and they were coming down and stuff, so it was really cool to see. So um, he's definitely out there connecting with the people and uh, and getting his getting his campaign messaging out and, and trying to connect with people. And um, we're lucky to have him on the phone here. Um, Eamon, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Well, I... It's hard to say. So you're in St. Mary's today because you have a town hall this evening. I hear the town halls are going really, really well. Standing room only all over the place. So that's great that you're getting your message out to the people because they're obviously really looking for some sort of leadership in the state of Idaho, which we haven't had in such a long time. One thing that you have um, been talking about all over the place is your definition of freedom. Like that's front and center in all of your messaging is your definition of freedom. Can you explain it to us? Yeah, so uh, freedom is the ability to do whatever you want as long as you're not infringing upon another person's rights. And that's what... Uh, I believe is the correct definition of freedom, and uh, I haven't just made that up myself. Um, 
there's some uh, pretty uh, heavy hitters that also have said uh, very similar things when it comes to uh, freedom. People like Thomas Paine, Thomas Jefferson. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm very confident in that definition. And, uh, yeah, I've been going all over, and I start with that because I want people to understand, like, what it is that we are trying to uh, secure, who is taking it away, and what our life looks like if we don't uh, protect and secure liberty. Oh, absolutely. There's been a lot of discussion online. Um, These questions are community-sourced. I forgot to mention that. So there's been um, some back and forth online when they were telling me what questions to ask about that definition and being able to do anything that you want as long as it doesn't infringe on others' rights. So, and then the topic of drugs came up, like marijuana, cocaine, and stuff. And technically, under that definition, we would be able to do drugs as long as it doesn't infringe on someone else's rights. How does um, doing drugs or something illegal like that fit into that definition of freedom? Oh, I believe that we should be able to put into our bodies or keep out of our bodies what we what we choose. I okay. do not believe that the government has jurisdiction over that. I believe the way to uh, to uh, combat uh, or to prevent uh, the criminal aspects of someone taking drugs mm-hmm. is to heavily punish to heavily punish uh, somebody who does something uh, criminal under the influence. Uh, gotcha. And that will deter that deters people, but but we shouldn't do it on the front end because it is an infringement upon liberties, and it's and it's overstepping the bounds that we have upon government when it comes to our body. And and I have said this many many times. It's very hypocritical for someone to say, "Well, the government doesn't have a right to tell me what I can put in my body or can't put in my body when it comes to vaccines or or other things," but then they can have the right to tell people what they can't put in their body or put in their body when it comes to drugs. Uh, it's hypocritical. And it's hypocritical because it's not on correct principle. Mm-hmm. And government should punish those who are under the influence and commit a crime or hurt somebody. They should heavily punish them. And I'm for increasing, you know, and, and, and punishing people uh, for those acts to deter that but i do not believe that government has jurisdiction over our bodies and what we put in it and what we don't put in it yeah that's interesting to to take that perspective on where the pun like where the punishment should be and how harsh it should be you know we 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 do give a pretty um i mean society has a pretty strong stigma against drunk drivers right like when people are driving drunk and they right and they kill somebody on the road or they, they smash up somebody. I mean, there was somebody that something that just happened here in Hayden. Uh, that yeah. Some guy was intoxicated and was ramming his car into a family of four at a drive through. He just like repeatedly back and forth, back and forth. And uh, and so and so from I gather from what you're saying here is like if if the current, you know, if the current sentence, uh, you know, recommended sentence for. Um, committing a crime while intoxicated is, and I don't know what it is, but it's, you I know, have no idea. obviously your driver, your driver's license is taken away and you're on probation or you're in jail for six months or a year or something like that. It should be much harsher is, can you kind of give us a, um, and I don't know if you, if you've delved into this, but can you kind of give us an idea of what, you know, say somebody who is high on methamphetamines is, um, you know, robbing a store, you know, uh, what, 
should should that be taken into account? Their their um... yeah, I I think there should be enhancements because in 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 the in the sentencing because they are where they were on drugs. Um, uh, but if someone sits at home and uh, believe me, I don't like it. I I've never done drugs. I I don't drink alcohol. Uh, I'm a good Mormon boy. If you want, you can have we can have fun with that. But I I'm not. So I mean I, I don't even know really what I wouldn't even know what drugs would look like if I saw. That's how you know separated from this. So this is not about me wanting to do marijuana or do drugs or anything. But if someone sits at home and does marijuana uh, or any other drugs and they get high and then they come down off their high and whatever they do, uh, that's 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 theirs to do as long as they are not infringing upon somebody else's rights while they do it or because of it. Um, and, and people are so terrified of that. And it's so be it. It is the correct principle. It's the right role of government not to hurt or harm anybody just because they took something into their body. But as soon as they infringe upon somebody else's rights, as soon as they do that, then the law should punish them. And I believe that there should be enhancements if they are intoxicated or under the influence. And send that message to everybody that, look, um, if you're going to do drugs you're gonna, and you commit a crime, you're going to pay a heavy price. Uh, and that's as good a deterrent that uh, that we have that we have right now. I mean, right now we've created a black market. Yeah. Uh, we've created an, a, a wave where people who are distributing drugs that are are real criminals are are making billions and billions of dollars, at least you know hundreds of thousands of dollars locally, uh, millions of dollars on a statewide level, and billions of dollars nationally to to uh, distribute and to create and distribute these drugs, and the the impact of that is, is very uh, you know very negative to the society as well. Well, let me let me. Um, this is a this is a tough issue I think right now in Idaho because Idaho is surrounded by many states that have legalized marijuana, um, and some may have decriminalized certain aspects yeah. of other harder drugs. And so when we when people are looking at what's going on in Portland or Seattle or Colorado, Colorado is a great example where um, a lot of deregulation or decriminalization and and full on legalization of certain certain drugs, um, they see they see this sort of combination between what happened on the social on the social side and uh, and 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 the effects that it's had on their communities. And so people here in Idaho look at that and go, whoa, 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 we don't want to turn into that. And if that means we need to decriminalize, and if we want to decriminalize, the only path forward is what California looks like, what Venice, California, or San Francisco and Berkeley look like, and all these different places in all these states. So um, is there are there steps that you can see that we, need, that we should do as a society first before we go down this road? Um, and I'm not saying well, you're, you. I'm not so saying me, that when you're governor, you're day one, you're going to try and decriminalize <laughs> things. But um, it's just a philosophy. No. You know, it's a philosophical question. Well, so I I hear that often, and it actually makes me chuckle a little bit because these areas before they decriminalize drugs, they implemented complete leftist socialist, uh, you know, regulations or 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 um, or you know uh, ideologies inside their government. Uh, 
so the people became and, and are becoming very dependent. So like the welfare is, is you know, immensely increased. And now you get a, a whole bunch of people that are out there not working and not producing. Uh, and then what happens to them? Well, they get on drugs. Uh, they they look for other ways to, uh, you know, to benefit and, and get drugs. Um, we have deteriorated the family so that the there's no motivation for the father and the mother to be together and to raise families. And we've broken that down. We've allowed the gay ideology to get into our communities and to, you know, literally um, like a cancer, destroy the family unit. And then we sit back and go, oh, because he, uh, we decriminalized drugs, that's what's causing all our problems. And it's just not uh, a fact. It's not factual at all. Um, if we want to stop people from uh, doing drugs, we need to strengthen the family unit again so that the mother and the father are teaching the children at home what is right and what is wrong and what is moral and, you know, what are the consequences if you go down this path. And that's, that's what solves the, the drug problem and many other problems. Um, but for a government to say, well, look, we're going to give everybody, you know, all this, you know, welfare. We're going to uh, not support the family structure uh, of a of a man and a wife, a man and a woman married, having children. Uh, we're going to allow these all these things to be taught in public school that actually are deteriorating the moral values of our children. Um, and then also, we're going to uh, heavily penalize um, uh, drug use and fill our prisons, clear up with people that are doing drugs. Uh, to try to in some way stop drugs. And then we're also going to create this black market that actually has proven to foster drug use more than anything else, really. Um, and and then what are we going to look back another 30 years like we did the last 30 years and say, well, what is wrong with this picture? It doesn't work. And so I'm not just proposing that, you know, we uh, get on the correct principles and allow people to control their own bodies the way they're supposed to. Uh, we've got a whole big mess that we have to clean up, um, uh, including, you know, including strengthening our families, our schools, and and our communities. Yeah. Okay. Agree. Great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we we got a few things we want to get to, so I think we let's let's. You got another question? Yeah, and actually, <laughs> it kind of piggybacks on the um, the crime aspect of the previous question. Yeah. Now. Before before you even started deciding to run for governor, you had said way back, way back in 2020, that um, you would give BLM a seat at the table for discussion because you guys had the same um, common support of defunding the police. Now, I it's it's a two part question. One, would you still give BLM at the, a seat at the table, knowing that they are a terrorist organization? And then two, as governor, you control the Idaho State Police. So, what would you do with that police organization? So, I don't remember ever saying I'd give BLM a seat at the table. I I, I where did you get that terminology from? Well, that's my terminology, um, a seat at the table. You would be okay, you would be uh, marching with BLM because of your common goal of defunding the police. You would support them in that, so, in that goal. So there was an incident that was happening. Uh, it was, it was a, somewhat of an isolated incident. And uh, Black Lives Matter in Idaho was 
going down to the Capitol building like multiple times a week during the kind of the height of COVID. Um, and at that time, well, and never at, at any time in Idaho because the people, so you know that people organized in Coeur Lane to stop Black Lives Matter from damaging any uh, businesses, right? Oh, yeah. We were all here doing and, that good stuff. Yeah. And you know that I was uh, part of that organization. I was essential in, in organizing and getting people down there, including also in Boise, right, to protect the businesses. So you may not know that I was, you know, instrumental in communicating and getting people to go down uh, and to work with the, the organizations down there uh, to stand to make sure that when Black Lives Matter came through, uh, that there was no destruction of property, business uh, owners, all of that. So, you know, that that I did, that, that I did it in both uh, Quarter Lane and I also did it in Boise. Now, there was no destruction because, you know, either the people deterred them or the or Black Lives Matter uh, here in, in Idaho didn't want to destroy. I don't know what it was, but either way, there was no looting, burning, any of that that happened in Idaho. And then Black Lives Matter started to... Uh, go to the Capitol building, you know, it seemed like about twice a week there. And what was happening is, quote-unquote, patriots were going down there and actually assaulting them, spitting on them, hitting them, causing fights with them, and so forth. And I had created this people's, uh, you know, put together this people's rights network, and they reach out to our Facebook, which I was not administrating, but they reach out and say, hey, if you guys are about... uh, uh, people's rights. What about our right to peacefully protest? And it became a discussion that went back and forth to, from the administrators, and I wasn't involved in it at the beginning of it. And then later it came to me, and I said, "Well, is this really happening? Is pe- are people going really going down there and hitting and spitting on them and so forth?" And so I kind of sent a little bit of a, a couple people down there and to find out that it really was happening, that it really was. They were really were doing that. And so they were planning a, uh, a, another protest, and it ended up being a defund the police to protest. And I said, well, I'm going to go down there with a Lavoy Finicum sign. Lavoy Finicum was a friend of mine, a fellow rancher, that was shot in the back three times by the police when he had his hands in the air. And, uh, he was, and you know, it's on video. You can see it. Mm-hmm. And he was a close friend of mine. And I said, I'm going to go down there and hold a sign that says justice for Lavoy Finicum. And if anybody I see that I know that I have an influence in any of our groups or patriot groups or is spitting and hitting on anybody, I'm going to go confront them. Um, but it wasn't because I loved Black Lives Matter. It wasn't because, you know, I all of a sudden turned into a Marxist. Uh, that's just ridiculous. It's because if we don't defend even the people's rights that we don't like, then we lose our own. Amen. And uh, we lose our own. And so that, so that's what happened, except I never went down there because uh, Black Lives Matter organization on a national level found out about it because I, because the media blasted everywhere that I was joining Black Lives Matter, which was not accurate, but they were saying I was joining Black Lives Matter. So I, uh, so it got, it got national, and I guess the Black Lives Matter National Organization uh, reached out to the Boise uh, Black Lives Matter, and I, I guess there was a big internal fight there, from what I understand. And I ultimately, would imagine. they <laughs> called 
<laughs> yeah. Ultimately, they called me back. The local Black Lives Matter called me, uh, called or reached out to Facebook and said, "Hey, I'm not invited anymore." And so, you know, I never, I never really needed to be invited. Uh, but I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I don't really want to go down there anyway. And I never did. I never did go down there. Uh, but then, you know, everybody in the media and many of the, you know, quote unquote conservatives you know, jumped on and believed the media once again that I joined Black Lives Matter. And I'm so that's how that panned out. And so it never, you know, and then they, now they're saying, oh, I changed my tune. No, what I had hoped would happen, to be honest with you, was that those people in the Black Lives Matter organization that are being lied to and used by the Black Lives Matter organization, I was hoping at some time I had a had an opportunity to address them and to you know, communicate with them uh, that that these socialist Marxist uh, agendas that are being pushed um, are something that are very destructive to to the black people and destructive to our nation. And uh, I never got that opportunity. uh, uh, And I hope that at some point I do. And I hope that people listen to that because what Black Lives Matter did is took this, you know, movement uh, and this emotion that in some ways was was correct of, of wanting to make sure that, you know, our policing agencies and our government are not out of control. They took this and put it underneath their uh, Marxist umbrella and now are controlling all of these people who really don't even know what Black Lives Matter organization is all about. Yeah. So um, thanks for that. And I hope uh, I hope you just explained it. You know, you so we're going to try we're trying to make this a national show so yeah <laughs> well when you google your name i think the first thing that comes up is the black lives matter stuff so right, i think yeah, hopefully this yeah. will help clear up the air yeah around that topic yeah, um, uh, but to, and, but you know, patriots oh go ahead uh, uh, patriots and patriots and conservatives they have to like they have to understand that the media hate uh hates us and they hate liberty and what they would love, they love to do is they saw this as an opportunity to divide patriots and say, look, even Ammon Bundy is joining Black Lives Matter, which is just not, was never true. And they tried to divide uh, patriots under that, uh, you know, the, those misrepresentations. Yeah. And so anyway, we have to realize that the media, the mainstream media is an enemy to us. They are our enemies, and they constantly lie and defame and, you know, uh, connect the uh, facts incorrectly to make a different narrative. This is what they do, and we fall for it all the time. We, we as conservatives fall for it all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, so then, let me, then let's get back to the, the term defund the police, right? Can, if, if that was something that was, is being attributed to you or um, – or, or whatever. Let's. How do you define defund the police? Because I imagine that you know, as a bumper sticker, it just tells people that you want to get rid of entire <laughs> yeah. law enforcement yeah. police departments. You know, but so so. Why don't you explain to you what defund the police would mean to you? Yeah, I I appreciate you asking that question. So defunding an agency, uh, a bureaucracy, is a power that the legislative branches of government on a county, uh, city, uh, state, and federal level have to try to keep a agency under control. And 
So to me, and I know it's become defund the police has become something completely different than the definition I had when, you know, at the beginning of this kind of uh, defund the police narrative came out. Uh, well, defunding is Congress. Like, do you remember when Congress uh, during the whole uh, uh, Tea Party movement, they got in there and they 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 tried to defund the government, right? They tried to defund the agencies of government. Uh, they weren't able to pull it off because they weren't strong enough to do it. But that is a power of Congress to try to get the agencies uh, under control, to try to minimize them and limit them. And that certainly goes for policing agencies as well. When you have a policing agency that is bloated, that is uh, becoming abusive, that is not performing the duties in which they were tasked to do, then the legislative branch uh, can and probably should in most cases defund the police. But that doesn't mean eliminate them. Uh, that doesn't mean completely get rid of all of their funds. And maybe there is a, a, a better terminology. I think there probably is. But for me, that's what it means. Uh, now, uh, does that does that what the liberals mean by it? I I don't think so. I think people I think organizations like Black Lives Matter, which is a wicked Marxist organization. Yep. I think they want to get rid of the police so that they can run amok so that they can have, you know, them out of the way and just take what they want to take. That's what I think they mean by that, but um, that's certainly not what I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, you're, <laughs> based on uh, recent news nationally, there's certainly a lot of patriots calling for the defunding of the FBI. So. <laughs> oh, at this yeah. point, I'm just saying burn oh, the whole thing that, to the ground and rebuild it, right, <laughs> but right. that's just me. <laughs> well, that's a great point. And the FBI is a federal policing agency, so it's so funny how now we see, oh, they're, they're actually saying defund the police. But they're not meaning it in a way of like, like let's get rid of all all law enforcement so that anarchists can rule our nation. Right, right, very good. Um, okay, we 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 have uh, limited time here, and um, when when I attended a meet and greet, um, I brought up a subject that I wanted to say that I said I wanted to bring on onto the podcast uh, with you, and. Um, Okay, and so I and 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 if you'll bear with me, I just need to lay it out a little bit. And this it's regarding vaccines, and I think we're all in agreement that the government has no right to force um, an individual uh, to take the COVID nineteen shot. Um, and you have said that um, your opponent running for governor has said that that the government should have no place enforcing enforcing these laws. Um, when it comes to regulating whether or not a private business should be allowed to uh, force a vaccine, it seems as though you and Governor Little have taken a, a similar position, which is we shouldn't be telling private businesses uh, how to run their business and what they require or not require for their employees. And um, if an employee doesn't want to uh, go along with it, they're free to leave and go find another job. So, um, so far, so I, my, I haven't gotten my question yet, but so far, is that, is that a fair assumption, what I laid out? Um, not completely, because, um, I mean, Governor Little actually categorized businesses as essential and non-essential and shut down thousands and thousands of businesses in Idaho. Yes, good um, point. So, to draw that, uh, you know, that... Uh, 
parallel with Governor Little, I don't think is accurate. I absolutely do not. So, I mean, you know, he's hypocritical in if he's saying that now businesses should be able to do what they want to do because he just shut down thousands and thousands of businesses and put many, many out of business will never reopen their doors again. Yes, And, I, yeah. and then also you look at his you look at his policies. I mean, he's placed many, many burdens upon small businesses and businesses in general. Um, and so for him to claim the high road on uh, vaccines with him pushing an agenda uh, that uh, that re- he was required to because he received federal money. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. now no, getting for- back to your, your question, I just I just don't I don't I don't think it's fair to throw uh, him and I in the same basket. Well, I, 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 when it and, comes to businesses. Yeah, well, I only meant to do it with with because you're absolutely right when it comes to essential, non-essential shutting down businesses. I only meant to do it with it in the question of, um, of you know, regulating businesses when it comes to the vaccine. And um, we certainly don't want the government regulating businesses in order to, uh, you know, uh, regulating businesses by saying you have to have your employees get vaccinated. Um, and and I've seen. I've seen you a few times on video and people, and this is one of the discussions that I've, I, I've been engaged in online with, 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 um, with folks is, is, and not even necessarily talking about you, but saying that private businesses, we shouldn't be telling private businesses what to do um, when it comes to whatever they're requiring their employees to do. It, and so in a, in a general sense, is that something that you agree with? Yes, yes. absolutely. I do not believe that the government should be telling private businesses what to do. Socialism, by definition, is the government controlling the means of production and the distribution. And, and so if we are going to go in and tell businesses what to do, how to run their businesses, who they're going to hire, how, how they can, when they can fire someone, when they can't fire somebody, we have now just implemented the core roots of, uh, of socialism. And I am uh, uh, vehemently opposed to that. Uh, that will destroy our, our any free trade we have left. Uh, it will put government in position. And yeah, right now, if you have somewhat of a conservative, uh, you know, legislative legislature legislative body, then then the regulations upon our businesses are somewhat conservative. But as soon as you have now a liberal legislative body, all of a sudden those regulations become more liberal. And uh, no, the answer is, is not to get government involved in that, and they shouldn't be involved in that. As a follow-up question to that, do you believe that employers should have the right to know the medical history of their employees? Um, I certainly believe in some employment that that would be required. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I know that, you know, like even in law enforcement, I mean, they have to know the health and they have to know whether they can pre- perform the duties that are required with for their hire and so in some cases yeah um but i you know i I think that it i think it needs to be minimum and only what is required to uh to determine whether that person is going to be able to perform the jobs uh that they need to perform um so um in some cases i think that 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 is warranted and um, and so, uh, uh, but but I think it should be minimum. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to hire somebody, I, I was in the fleet maintenance business, you know, and I uh, I couldn't hire somebody that you know 
had heart heart problems or that uh, physically could not perform the, the heavy duties and the work that was required. And I had to look at that. And, uh, and we did look at that. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I take no issue really with, with what you just said there when it comes to, to requiring, you know, information or requiring, you know, your employees to take part in something that has an active role in their job description or in their job duties. Um, my, my, personal specific problem is is literally with the COVID-19 shot because I look at it this way if an employer required a you know a cook in a kitchen to take a shot of Clorox bleach every every time they come in for their shift you know uh, they're 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 asking their employees to in order to work here you need to put a harmful substance in your body uh, in order to perform your job, even though it has nothing to do with your job. I, I, I would take issue with an employer requiring that. Now, you can come back to me and say, well, nobody's requiring their employees to take bleach, right? However, there are employers that are requiring people to take this harmful COVID-19 shot that is shown to be harmful um, in order for someone to maintain their, their employment. And, and, you know, when it comes to individual rights when it comes to people not um, taking advantage of each other um, when it comes to the government protecting individual rights um, there's plenty of laws and regulations on the books that prevent people or businesses from harming you know we talk about freedom and not wanting to harm other people um, that say in you know in order to to work here you have to do this and if not then you know what too bad you have to uproot your life you have to suffer the consequences of losing your job and trying to find a new one. Um, all the effects that go along with that, which obviously we've seen over the years, uh, the, the past few years of what, of what that looks like. And so I'm just, I, 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 under, I completely agree with, with, with what you've said before about telling businesses what to do when it comes to all these other, when it comes to the areas that you raised. But when it comes to something that is just so obvious on a global level that we're being manipulated by something beyond anything that we thought was going to be possible that um it that we have to step up and maybe it's the free market saying well if a, if a business is going to do this then we won't we won't we won't uh we won't partake in it but there are plenty of people across the country and and even in in town in big cities in this state that um that suffered because of this, because the government didn't want to come in and help protect individual rights. So I'm really just only talking about the, the shot, if you will. Okay, well let's let's address that. Um, uh, if an employer was dragging people in the back room and 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 physically forcing them uh, uh, to the shot, you know, physically the short forcing the shot in them, uh, then the state actually should prosecute that the owner, and uh, and you know, uh, give them due process and, and punish them according to the assault that they did or, or even the life that they may have taken because of that. Because we know that the COVID shot certainly has taken lives and, and caused people, um, you know, damage that looks like it'll last them their entire life. Um, however, uh, employment is not a right. Employment is a privilege. Um, and it is, uh, an agreement, a free trade agreement uh, between uh, two people. Um, and a person that is going to be employed uh, 
is willing to trade their time for money and an employer is willing to pay uh, for that time. And it is a free thing. It's a free agreement between two different people. And if one side doesn't like the terms, if one side doesn't like the situation, they should be more than able to freely get out of that agreement. And what you're saying here is that uh, an employer should not be able to freely get out of it. Um, and the employee should be able to do something that they don't want to do or not do something that the employer wants them to do and be able to stay in it. And you are messing with that balance, that, that balance of free trade, that balance of, of an agreement uh, between two people. And whenever you do that, uh, you really mess things up and you cause a tremendous amount of trouble. Uh, and I do not believe that it is worth it. I, and I, I saw, like, for example, our health uh, care workers. Well, let's look at uh, St. Luke's and, and St. Al's down in the Boise and Twin Falls area because I know very specifically about them. Uh, these hospitals receive, you know, lots of money from the federal government, and from the state, and that's a kind of another issue. Uh, but then they decided that they were going to mandate the vaccines for all their employees. And they put a September 1st, I believe, date on it. This would be in uh, 2021, I think, uh, 2020. Anyway, I, it, it all means, but anyway, they put a September 1st date on it. And, uh, and there was, they got close to this. There was a big uproar and people were protesting and we were, you know, uh, speaking out and having these rallies in front of the hospitals and so forth. And then it gets close to the 20 or the September 1st date. And there was about 20%, just shy of 20% of the employees uh, that said that they would leave. They were not going to quit, but they would leave if the hospital tried to implement um, this vaccine mandate. So what did the hospital do? They get to 20, they realize that there's 20%. Uh, are the most freedom-minded people and the best employees that they have, the most capable employees that they have, because they're free-minded people. And so they get to close to September 1st, and they say, well, we can't afford to have 20% of our staff just walk away, so we're going to push it off to November, like, 22nd or something. And so they push it off to November 22nd. They kept threatening. They get close to November 22nd, and you still have got these same 20% of they're employees that are not going to leave and they're not going to uh, take the shot. And so they're going to have to fire them and they can't afford to fire 20% of their staff. And so what do they do? They pushed it off indefinitely. And still to this day, they never implemented in the hospitals in Boise at St. Luke's, the most liberal place that you could possibly get health care from. They never implemented the vaccine vaccine mandates in those hospitals because the employees stood up and what what were the what were a lot of people saying oh the legislature needs to go in and stop the hospitals from doing this no that's not correct the employees are are the answer and people saying no are the answer and that makes those uh businesses pay the price if they cause their employees to leave especially enough of them and that's the free market balance. And if you get in there and get government messing it up, it's going to cause a whole bunch of problems and actually open the door to full socialism in this country.
Well, it sounds like, Eamon, that you're saying the power rests with the people. Amazing. <laughs> it absolutely does. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I appreciate that answer because this is one of the big issues that I've been that I've been struggling with. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who, who shares a lot of the sentiments about the ph philosophical purposes of government, um, there's a lot of things that I struggle with simply because, you know, we've been tortured this last few years with yeah. what's been going on. I know. Right? Yeah. And so, well, but what yeah. you spelled out, what you spelled out is, is what everybody needs to do is like, if you want, if you really want a government that is we, the people, then we really have to stay involved and use our power where, yeah. where we can do it. So, uh, Eamon, we, I, I know we, the, these large, yeah. I was oh, saying, including yeah. these large institutions. And yep. these large institutions that are, you know, corporations, people have to stand and they will correct the problems, a lot of the problems in those large corporations as well. Yeah. Well, you've been very generous with your time. I don't want to take away anything um, uh, or take, take away any more of your time. But um, uh, we thank you for coming on the program. And um, I want to let people uh, hear from you. Any last words and also where they can uh, find your campaign? Um, so go to votebundy.com, votebundy.com. There's tons of information there. There's probably more information there than, you know, than uh, you can get through in, in several days. But go there, find out what I'm all about, um, um, you know, make a decision. Uh, Idaho is sliding down a path that we don't want it to go down. It's becoming more like Oregon, Washington, California, and we're going down the same path that they went down to, down. And, uh, and it's happening very quickly, and we need to stop that. And i that's what I'm here for. I'm here to fight the conservative battle in Idaho. Well, thank you so much for your time. Where are you headed next after St. Mary's? Well, we're headed to Lewiston. Uh, we're going to have a, uh, a town hall there in Lewiston. And, and then actually I'm headed home for a couple days. Wow, that must be like a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and if people want to know where I'm going to be at, go to uh, votebundy.com, go to events and then the calendar, and it'll show where I'm at. And, you know, I'll be, I'm, I've been all over the, the state. I think this is our, uh, I don't know, close to sixth time that we've, I think it's our sixth time we've been around the state. Uh, and uh, we've held, uh, Close to close to or over uh, 200 meet street town halls. Wow. wow, excellent. Well, safe travels, sir. Thank you very much, <laughs> and I really appreciate the question. I well, really do. Thank you. And we thank we thank you for for Absolutely. joining us and answering them. Yeah, our listeners are going to be so jazzed that you were able to answer their burning questions. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. All right, take care. Thank you. I have to commend you, Aaron, for, for collecting such hard-hitting questions. I know we didn't get through all of them, but what do you think? How does I don't that... it, it's not me. It's commending our listeners and our followers on social media because these are questions directly from them. So obviously you have seen, we have both seen the arguments, discussions, debates going on online. And right. so this was their opportunity to really 
get those questions in front of Ammon because you know sometimes it doesn't come out really well in a town hall setting or people are afraid to ask their questions so I think this was amazing and props to Ammon for answering them absolutely yeah, yeah. I mean I was I I we mentioned this before to him uh, when we were off the air that we had these questions that because you know we're we're active on social media right mm-hmm. and so you have a group of people that are passionate about his campaign you have another group of people that were very anti his campaign and then you have this blending of folks who are who have since Janice McGeehan lost the Republican yeah. primary they don't want to vote for little so they're looking for uh, somebody else and they've been they've been becoming swayed uh, to Amon's campaign mm-hmm. so you have these kind of three buckets of people and I've seen the discussions online. I've seen people go from, I can't do it, to he's our only hope, yeah. you know? <laughs> All the and time. Then, yeah, and then, and then there's the, the but, but even on a philosophical level, there's still discussions on this sort of like, well, what is freedom? What does liberty mean? And do you want to implement your, you know, you, you, you know, it's the problem with like the left and the right establishment folks. You know, the, 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 the Democrats want full power for their ideas. Yep. And establishment Republicans want full power for their ideas. <laughs> like they will increase funding in schools as much as they want, as long as it's their ideology. And then there's a group of freedom loving people that just say, wait, should we even be funding schools to this amount at all? And then you're the extremist. And then you're the extremist, of course. Well, you're the threat to the establishment, right? (laughs) So, so yeah. So I, yeah, I commend him for answering those questions. I really wanted to get into that vaccination uh, Mm -hmm. requirement issue because that was something that I've seen argued a lot. Oh, it's such a good one, especially you know, Kootenai Health is crumbling right now because Mm -hmm. that's exactly what they did was they forced all their employees out for not getting the jab, and now they're failing because of it. They're failing because of it, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so um, I think from a philosophical level. You know, he answered my question well, and it's it's given me, you know, something to think about, and brought me back to some of my <laughs> some of my philosophical roots and stuff. And it's refreshing to hear to hear someone be that honest about what they believe in. Yeah. And and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, sure. Am I going to agree with Amon on on everything? No, I don't think so. Um, but someone really smart once told a group of people that I happen to be in. She goes. There will never be a time that you 100% agree with a politician, ever. If you agree with them 80% of the time, you're doing really well. <laughs> right. So I think we have to figure out how much we agree with them and then vote based on that yeah. agreement amount. Yeah. All right. Thanks again for listening. You can find me on Truth Social and Getter at Real Matt Edwards. On both accounts. I'm also on Facebook if people want to reach out to me. But when you're on Facebook, I tell people to just go find me on True Social and get it. So, anywho, uh, Aaron, where are you? I am Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, Getter, I think Gab also, all at KC Spectator. True Social is real KC Spectator. Right, not the fake one, because there's the a fake, fake one on there. There is a fake one. Yeah. I swear it was probably me setting it up or holding it for myself way back in the beginning. But and you don't I, remember the password. No. So yeah. I'm real Casey Spectator <laughs> on Truth Social. All right, good. Because that's the truth. And for real. Forevermore we'll stay. We'll expose the commie lies and truth. Throughout the world we'll rise. With evil we'll not compromise. The truth shall keep us free. The truth shall keep